Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Sebastian, breaking news on the Newswire today. Uh, Cristiano is not going to City. Not going to City, potentially going to United now? Potentially going to United. That's a major, major news, breaking news for all of our listeners. So he, he did not show up to training this morning. Oh, he's out of Juventus. He's gone. Yeah, he's out. He might not even be in the country. <laughs> he left Italy. He left Italy. <clears throat> house left is on the market. House is on the market. Oh, that'd be fun to buy Ronaldo's house in Italy. You think he's got a view? Uh, you got money to buy Ronaldo's house in Italy? Airbnb? One night? <laughs> one night, a year's worth of work? Absolutely. I'll sell, I'll sell my house just for one night. <laughs> for one night, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, never mind. I don't think I want to do that um all right so let's start off with some club updates first and we'll we'll get to some more of the breaking news on ronaldo and all the transfers going on in the world because that's just fun um we gotta love getting close to august 31st uh rec starts soon doing yeah so registration uh, it closes next week right yeah registration is going to close next week um season you know practices start september 6th and then you know the first week of games and the first day of just Discovery is uh, September 11th. So, again, if you know somebody that's looking to get their kid in sports, soccer is a sport to pick and, you know, give shoot them the link on DelawareUnion.com under our rec page to get those kids signed up. That's right. You can also follow us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash DelawareUnion, on Instagram at DelawareUnionSoccer and on Twitter at DEUnionSoccer. Um, this weekend, we're going to a tournament. Yeah, we're going to August Cup. August Cup with the 06 girls and the 03 girls. Um, so it should be a good time. I'm excited for, for what's to come this weekend. Um, you know what tournament means, right? Um, outlets. Long, long drive. Outlets. Is outlets. It outlet, outlet, is it outlet, outlet day? Is it outlet weekend? All right. It looks like it's outlet weekend. Uh, so, yeah, maybe we'll pick up some gear on the way there. Um, well, no, there's yeah. an outlet by the complex. There is an outlet by the complex. That's right. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Now that I'm staying on uh, Saturday night, I know what I'm doing Saturday night. Hitting there, you that outlet. there you go. Perfect. Um, yeah. So we, we start that. And then next week we're going to Keystone. Um, Packing up Keystone. the club and taking them to Keystone. <laughs> Keystone Cup, except for a few of our girls teams, everybody else is going. Um, so that'll be exciting. That'll be fun. Kick off the season. Um, I'm excited. Schedule just came out, so I'm at the same place pretty much the entire weekend. Uh, so just gonna bring my chair, post up, might bring myself a little tent, uh, so that way I can just not roast Man. in the sun. Good, it's nice to have a good relationship with the tournament director, huh? It, it does help, <laughs> it does help. So, big shout out to APL tournaments. <laughs> I say, I say hi to him every time I see him, but it's getting better, it's getting, Listen, getting there. Listen, man, you gotta get on a different level to get to get same field, same field back to back games. All you gotta do is change. Not only that, change that coach that, name is Chad Reed, and I'm good. Not only that, back to back games with the lunch break, with the lunch break, with the lunch break, and no eight a.m. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, I think you gotta change my God sport name to Charles <laughs> Reed the Third. That way, I'm, uh, that way I can uh, get that lunch break in there. Gotta get the lunch break in. All right. So we are back on the 91st minute. And today we get to bring back one of our um, our resident New York, New Jersey coach, 
that uh, that we get to have a little, almost like a little crosstown rivalry. I mean, you know, Philadelphia Union against New York Red Bulls. It's a little <laughs> bit of a rivalry there. Uh, but Daniel Gutierrez, or as I know him, Guti is is back with us after after some time. Um, and Guti is the development phase director and the U13 Academy head coach of the New York Red Bulls. Uh, Guti, how are you, man? Yeah, doing great, man. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I I didn't notice you have the banner back there uh, with oh, yeah. the union logo. So yeah, I didn't know it was a rival until you said that. But yeah, no, excited to be in. So I was excited to be in. So let's talk about um, let's talk about a let's talk about this side this uh, development face director that yeah. you are now real quick. Uh, so that's a that's a title change since the last time you were on the podcast with us. So tell us a little bit about that that new title that you have. Yeah, no, appreciate that. So pretty much what what uh, our academy director and just our overall structure uh, adjusted a little bit is just being a little bit more hands on in the field. So. Uh, the last two years I've been working with the U12s, but I've also have done a lot of work with our pre-academy. And the pre-academy of the New York Rebels, as many people know, is, I mean, it's a top-notch um, organization and, and they do really good work to get players uh, developed to then push into the academy, but also finding really, really good players in different areas, you know? So uh, as a U12 coach, I was doing a lot of work with them and of course working with the 12s and then doing a little bit of work up with the 13s to make sure we get those connected. Um, and then our academy director came up with the idea of maybe having um, more on-field presence since he was doing a lot of work also up, working with our second team. Uh, so he came up with the idea of having me now move up with the U13s as a head coach and then kind of work down from there as a director. So um, what I pretty much do is similar to some of the things I did last year, but then a little bit more hands-on. So uh, we'll have daily meetings with the U12 uh, staff and pre-academy staff just to go over certain things that were done in training, to go over certain things that maybe happen in games, to talk about the training for that day. We'll talk about individual players and players that maybe want to focus on certain sessions and then just create overall plans for, for all the players. Because at the end of the day, we're developing, you know, individual players within all these teams at the same time. You know, now when they're younger, we're focusing on more, more of them and all of them. As they get older, then we might start filtering and, and focus on certain ones that we feel are the ones that, you know, have a higher chance to, to make it to the next level. But um, again, it's just a good opportunity to lead, to work with other coaches, to also develop myself because we have some really good staff that are going to make me better. So it's a really good opportunity for me. That's really cool. I mean, I think anytime you have the ability to now, and, and we talk about this at the youth level um, a lot in our club is, you know, if if I'm if I'm coaching, for example, I'm coaching the the O8 girls, the the U14 girls at our club. So my job is to talk to the U13 coach to make sure that like, hey, let's make sure that you know your U13s hit A, B, and C, so that way when they get to U14, they're better off than they were than this group that I now have, exactly. right? So ultimately, and the fact that you're able to do that and you're able to help work with other coaches is is fantastic. Um, which I think is a is a perfect segue into the topic today, which is pressure at the highest level of youth mm. of youth soccer right so you're coaching the u13 boys which is that first 11 v 11 experience for a lot of these yeah. kids now you know may some of them may have may have gone to play up or things like that but for the most part it'll be the first you know big field experience which can yeah. be can be tough at times um 
And all of a sudden now we go from, you know, from a playing 9v9 to 11v11. So the roster size is bigger. The competition becomes a lot tougher. And now we're going up the pyramid. So that top of the pyramid becomes smaller and smaller. So how do you, you know, how do you deal with the pressure? Uh, You know, how do you work with, with the boys on pressure and how to handle that pressure? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So I think in terms of myself, um, there's a little bit of pressure that you put to yourself, you know, just because I'll give you an example, you know, working with the, with the U12s, 99, things have gone really well. And then I get an opportunity to, to move up with 13s. Um, so you yourself put a little bit of pressure just because you want to do a good job. Now you're going into a transition age, as you said, it's definitely a tough age. The players are going into a lot bigger spaces. The ideas, of course, expand a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> and overall, you, you want to do a good job. So you, you put a little bit of pressure on yourself. And I think the first week or two, I started talking to myself and making sure that I understood that just as I'm going to tell the players, it's a process, you know, and the process is just every day go out there and just develop them and make them better, you know. So if I'm putting in the right time, if I'm preparing myself, then the pressure kind of goes away, you know. And then from <clears throat> from my leadership um, – Sean, the academy director, and other guys around, there's really no pressure, you know, because what they're asking for me is kind of the same thing. You show up and on a day-to-day basis, just develop the players, you know. But I think, again, the pressure mainly comes from me as a coach, adding a little bit of pressure to myself. And I think that that's something that's important for other coaches to take into account. And I was lucky enough that it lasted two weeks that I put a little bit of pressure on myself and a little bit of self-talk, a little bit of getting comfortable again, coming back into the season. I think it's important that coaches do that early so you don't go into month six and then it might be too late. And the reason I say it's too late is because then you're talking about the players, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and a good example is yesterday we're at training and we're working on runs in behind. So it's a really important topic because the runs in behind at 99 are not really there. They're not no. real runs in behind. So <clears throat> because they have space to run in behind now, they have to really think about those things. And one of the things I talked to them about was, I want you guys to make as many mistakes as you can. And if you're offsides multiple times, it is okay. But I want you to try. I want okay. you to try to make these runs that we showed in a little bit of the activation and a little bit in the, in the technical warm-up. So when we get into this next layer, where it's maybe more of a face of play, it's more a small side again with numbers, you could, you could see what it looks like. And if it doesn't work, then we could learn why it didn't work, you know? And the reason I'm able to go to them and actually take all the pressure away from all these new ideas is because early on, I realized, told myself, there's no need to add pressure to myself, you know? And I think that that's a good way to explain what I did in that session, but overall what we do during the year, you know, if, if we show up and we tell the players, even, even a New York Rebels, right? Which, as we were talking about before, there's players that are 16 years old, 15-year-olds uh, that are playing in our USL team. So they're actually getting pro games. Yeah. They're they're training full-time with the pros, but they're 15 years old. And the guys I have right now are 12 and 13. So if I have a 13-year-old, in two years, he could be playing with the pros, right? So he's not that far from that. In three years, he might be playing with the pros. He's not that far from that. But at the end of the day, the way we have to still manage it is they are not pros. Right. There's, there's still a 13-year-old kid 
with a Red Bull jersey that is training in a really good facility with really good coaching, right? So I think that's the way we have to see it, you know? And, and it's funny because when I was in other clubs, right, uh, especially early on as a coach, I, I added that pressure to myself a lot longer. And, and sometimes the issue with that is I put too much pressure on the players. Um, so, I, again, I think through experience and through seeing other guys work at this level, then you realize uh, even the, the U17 coach is not adding that much pressure. And those guys are already in a professional age. You know, yeah. it's just we have to make sure that we go through the process of just got to get them better. And, and if the right things hit, then they have a chance. Right. But at the end of the day, you, you have to take a little bit of pressure away. I think that's that's an interesting point, right? So we we at times we we tend to forget at times, and I think as you said, right, it comes with experience. So when you're younger, um, especially for coaches that are that are they're trying to do this full time, you know, they're they're trying to make coaching coaching a career, or or you know they're going to college or they just finished playing college soccer or something like that, and now they're coaching. You sometimes forget that you know, it's almost like you forget what you went through as a player. Yeah. Uh, and so you forget that at 13 years old, you know, you're, you're, th- these kids are just getting into middle schools, right? So they're getting into sixth or seventh grade somewhere in there, um, which is what, which we all know it's probably the toughest age. Group. It's probably the toughest age as a person in general that you can go through. Um, and not to mention now. So on top of like the schoolwork, homework and all these other things that you're doing, family life, you got a lot of siblings if you got you know the your family situations whatever it is on top of all of that now we're adding you know three four five practices practices a week plus yeah. an environment that that basically at times it's tough can it can say like if you're not if you're not you know if you're not reaching certain things if you're not you know hitting certain marks next year your your spot's not guaranteed right um so i think i think you know the idea that as a coach, you have to p- put the pressure off of yourself. So that then translates into the kids, especially since you've, you know, you've had a lot of these players from one year to the next, since yeah. you, you basically transitioned with them. Do you think, um, do you think the players now that you've had them for, this is you going on your second year with them. Do you think now they start to take a little bit on your personality too? Now they, they look up to you in a different way. And also they're like, Oh, if coaches, if coaches, uh, if coaches relax and he's just having a good time and he's just trying to make us better, he's going to push us really hard. But at the end of the day, you know, he he le- he comes in with a smile on his face and he leaves with a smile on his face, right? Do you think that starts to translate and that creates a different environment in general as a coach for you now that you've had these players for for multiple years? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question, and yeah, I think absolutely, especially because of the age of the players, right? We've all coached you know, the, the U9 girls teams, the U10 girls teams, the U10 boys teams, and, and up maybe to U14, where now they're going through that change a little bit more in, uh, in their mental, um, their psychosocial. But when you really look at it, these young players, they look up to you. You know, they really look up to you. And um, it's a, it is a funny question, but, yeah, we definitely see it. You know, they, they're not only taking a little bit of the personality, but actually some of the words as well. You know, sometimes you, you'll say key words as a coach that maybe you'd like to use a little bit more. And then they start using it a little bit more to coach each other on those words. And uh, and I definitely see that with the guys we have right now. I mean, the other day I was we had a little bit of a laugh because we have a player that. Such a tough player. I mean, his his competitive nature is is off the charts. It's fantastic. And he's young. You know, he's 13 years old and we're training. 
and he's coaching the other guys, and it really sounds like me <laughs> in some of the words that he's using. Uh, and and I was with my assistant coach and our academy director, and uh, they brought that up. They're like, he sounds like you. He's saying the words that you say. And I said to him, I don't, I'm not a father, um, but I feel like a proud father right now because yeah. the way that he's leading these guys uh, is the way that I would be actually talking to them. You know, so he actually transferred into them. And he was, and the other part is it wasn't negative, right? He was actually um, having a little bit of accountability with them, but he was saying some words that were excellent. You know, like he, he one, one of the things he said is, um, it's not, a, it's unacceptable to let that ball go through, right? And, let's be better. So those are the things that he said to the player, right? Yeah. But he didn't say it in a mean way, which right. I, I, I hope I don't say it in a mean way, but it is fairly, it's firm. It's a firm yeah. way to say it. And he said that to them as he was running, as he was playing. He said, um, uh, Paulie, it's unacceptable. Uh, let's be better. And he just kept <laughs> running. And I, and I just looked and said, wow, I love that, you know, because it really, it really comes out. And one of the things that I, I really like about the way the group has developed um, we, we like to create a really competitive uh, environment. That's, I feel personally as a coach that that develops the players more than anything else you will coach them on and anything else you will say. Because especially when you're in training, the players are the ones that are going to show pictures to other players that you're not really able to teach or show by just talking, right? Um, so we do a lot of things with competitive charts. We do a lot of things where certain activities go into a competitive chart. All the games at the end of training, they go into a competitive chart that we track and we, we put it live so the players can see who's up, who wins the competitive chart for that month. Um, and overall, look, they're, they're, they're high-level players. They're high-level youth players. They like to compete. Yeah. So when we put all of that into account, sometimes, and it happened last year, some of the sessions could get a bit chippy and yeah. in, in a good way at first, but then they will transfer out of the field. So they're playing, they'll get intense. One team will lose in training. And then now they're going to the bleachers and you could see it carried over. So we had a really good conversation once about taking advantage of the players that you have around you to develop you, loving the competitive nature right? Because that's going to make you better. That's actually going to man ma maximize your development. But once you carry over stepping out of the field, then it's done, right? And then you're back to just being uh, young players again, young people again, and you're back to being teammates, you know? And um, it didn't happen right away. It wasn't a one conversation thing. It happened over multiple times where we had that, we call it a competitive chart game, where it was a, maybe a 99 game or it was an ABA game at the end. And some things, some things are a little bit intense, you know, some, some conversations got a little bit heated. Um, and after multiple conversations and they started, they understood it, you know, and even as, as, as close as last night, <clears throat> one team ended up losing in PKs. Um, and then once they carried over into the, the sideline, then it was normal. Then it was laughs yeah. and it was conversation. Um, I think that's a good way and a, and a good example of, a lot of the way I see the game is kind of carrying over to them, you know, so feel good about that. When it's a, it's also, it's also really good. You know, you're trying to, you're ultimately starting to achieve. And, and I, and I think back to, um, to some of the South American coaches that I've listened to before. And, uh, 
I think it was Claudio Borghi who who said at one point, he said, you know, my job is to coach during the week. Yeah, yeah My yeah. job in the weekend is just to sit down and just and watch the game, you know. Um, and you're, you're almost getting to that point, right? Like, you know, they're youth players, so there's a lot of tactical stuff that happens and, and you know, there's a lot of motivation that needs to go on during the, during the weekends. But ultimately, the goal is for, you know, you make your tactical, your technical adjustments during the week and then the during the game. It, it you know, because we all, if not, it's easy to fall into the, uh, and I've, I've been calling it with players, I've been calling it coach bingo. Yeah. Um, so it's easy to fall. It's easy to fall into that category of co- of trying to play bingo as yourself, right? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need you need to say something as a coach, right? You need to you need to check off some sort of box that says, "Oh, let's let's just be better at communication." Yeah, uh, yeah just yeah. the cliche word, right? Like, oh, let's let's pass more, right? Or you always <laughs> hear the one coach that goes, "Oh, you realize we're wearing you know we're wearing blue, not green, right?" <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah, we all we all know this. Like, you're, you're trying to you're basically coaching an obvious statement. Yeah. Um, but you're getting to a point where now the players are starting to understand. And I think, you know, players at that level are very self-aware. They know when they make a mistake, right? They, you don't, you, they usually understand why they made the mistake. Exactly. Now it's just a matter of how do you control those mistakes, you know? So how do you deal with the players? Cause ultimately, you know, just like in any sort of environment, that's a team. There's a player at the top of the, the top of the list and there's a player at the bottom of the list. Obviously, your goal is to make sure that gap is not big and it's very small, but but there's usually that player at the top and yeah. that player at the bottom. Um, how do you deal with with the pressure that the player individually? How do you deal with the player with the player at the top of the list, and how do you deal with the player at the bottom of the list? Because again, usually kids are pretty self aware; they kind of know usually yeah, where they fall. So, how do you deal with that pressure of you know the kid at the bottom, you know? playing basically for a spot on the team and the kid at the top who maybe thinks about playing up or wants to have, you know, how do you deal with that pressure there? Cause now that player is trying to carry, you know, in theory, carry the team. So how do you yeah. deal with individually with those players? <clears throat> yeah, I think that's a great question. And just a quick back to back, go back on that last point. Yeah. I think with, when you fall into a little bit of that trap and, and I had a, a really good mentor, his name is Eric Eichmann. I think we've yeah. talked about him before. Oh yeah. Um, he used to say to me, and again, when I was a really young coach, I used to fall into that trap a lot uh, because of the emotion as well. Yeah. Again, back to the pressure that you add to yourself, right? And then when you're adding pressure to yourself, then you're building the emotion. And that's when you start saying things that really won't help anyone, right? And sometimes I joke around, even to myself, something that uh, I haven't really shared with anyone, but sometimes I feel like I'm the best assistant coach um, <laughs> because. When you're an assistant coach, you you care about it, but you're not fully delved into it oh, yeah. as the person, quote unquote, will take the blame. So then I coach so much better as an assistant when I take the emotion out. So one of the things I always tell myself now is, you know, try to coach as the assistant coach from an emotional standpoint where you're not feeling so much of the blame and the pressure. Right. And then you could be a little bit more calm. And then back to the point where Eric Eichmann. He used to say, you know, um, teach, don't talk, right? And the idea I used to sometimes say to me is I could get anyone on the other side of the sideline to say some of the things that you're saying or the other guys are saying because they're just saying jargon, right? They're just saying yeah. general words. But are you actually teaching, you know? So I think that's something as coaches that we have to take into account and we will all deal with it. It's just emotions, right? Like we don't want to say, hey, play it on the ground, right? 
um, don't make a bad pass. Right. When the player says, yeah, I know I shouldn't make a bad pass. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, just the emotion that it, it, we yeah. get carried carry away. So I think it's a lesson for us. Yeah, and I think it's a really good point with, with the question you asked about the top player and then the bottom player. And I think over time, what I've learned is if you look at it from each player has a goal that you can help him achieve, right? So the top player's goal, as you brought up, is maybe he's going to play up, right? Maybe he wants to get to a certain level, right? We're talking about maybe high school age. Yeah. He's trying to make the high school team as, as a young player, right? So if if that's his goal, then how can you help him achieve that goal? And then at the same time, the, the player that's at the lowest rank of the team, he also has a goal. He wants to get more playing time. The reality is a player that's not playing a lot needs more, wants to get more playing time. He's probably not playing as much as some other guys. So the way to see it is how do you help those two players achieve their goal, taking away the team in general, just them themselves. Because at the end of the day, especially as the players are young, right? Let's talk about 14 and below, right? Um, players develop at different rates. Yeah. So we've all seen players that maybe are not the best in the team. Maybe they're out of a, a 16-man roster, 16-player roster, they're 12, right? 13. That player, in a year, with good work and his own his own intrinsic motivation, he might end up being 6th or 7th, right? Yeah. Because players at this age develop at a different rate. So we, we can't give up on those players. And the other part of it is we've got to think about it. And when I finally understood it, I understood it, uh, it was my last year in uh, in the club I worked in Atlanta, United Football Academy. Mm-hmm. It was with the U15s, which is for you yourself as a coach as well, from a competitive standpoint. If you could develop the guy that comes into the game at the start of the second half to really contribute to that game, right? It's only going to help the team. It's only going to help the competitive nature of the game, the result. Yeah. But again, back to the pressure and the emotion when you put a little bit of emotion and the pressure of yourself, then you look at that player and you say, this player really is not helping me. Right. And again, that's just back to emotion. So then what you end up doing is, and again, I've done it before you lose an opportunity to strengthen the team. Yeah. And then to, of course, the most important to make that player better. Um, but I think that that's the way to do it. And of course the better player, maybe you also could push them to play up. So you're challenging them as well. You know? So I think every player should be just looked at as, how do I maximize their own growth? And then you add that and how do I make that part of the team as well? I think it's such an important part, you know, and and we look at it maybe a little bit different at the youth level that, you know, that's in that second or third tier. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, parents in, 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 you know, to a certain extent, I, I understand where they're coming from, but this idea that like, Oh, you just, you know, you just care about results or you just care about, you know, you're not here to develop players. It's just, it's, you know, you're just yeah. here for the money of it or whatever, which again, anybody in youth soccer, you understand, <laughs> you're not in it for the money. Yeah, that's uh, right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but you, you, you tend to understand that, or you tend to, you know, parents don't, don't ever see the fact that like, A, um, all of us want to win. Yeah, there's not a single one of us that that ultimately it shows up to a game going like, ah, it's all right if I lose today. Like none of us, none exactly. of us are, none of us do that. Um, B, we I think in at least the people that have been on this podcast because they've been on the podcast for a reason because they're like minded people. 
none of us are going to ever put the result over the development. I don't think. Exactly. I think all of us, all of us, and I think you you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, it's a, that individual. How can you reach that player individually, right? So all of us are here to try to reach every single player individually to make them a better person and a better soccer player. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, if I can reach every single individual player and make each individual single each individual player on my team better then at the end of the day my team gets better and i think that's the part that gets missed because exactly. everybody thinks that like oh you just care about the team and not the player well i don't know how to develop teams yeah. without developing players individually yeah, yeah, yeah. Comes in if, if someone has figured out how to not individually develop players but only develop teams yeah fantastic good for yeah. you but like it, it's very difficult especially at the youth level if you can't reach or make a connection individually with every single one of those players and every single, and you, as you said, every player has a different goal and, and your job as a coach, and I think your job as a good coach um, is to know each and every one of those players, individual goals. Yeah, and if you true. don't, that'd be so difficult. Um, all right. So final, final thought here um, as you, as you're heading into the season, um, you know, what, what is the, what is the amount of pressure that you do want to put on the team? You know, what, what is that little bit of like, what's the, what's the carrot you want to kind of dangle in front of them to, because at the end of the day, we, we want the players to compete. So there has to be, there's something there that they're trying to try to reach. So what is uh what is, what is a little bit of pressure that you are adding in this year? So, yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. I think, one of the things that we do that I think help us get a little bit more focused on each game is we have two things. We have game objectives. So yeah. these are objectives with the ball. These are objectives when we don't have the ball for this game. And then they're, they're based on the things that we worked on, right? And then the other thing that we started doing is just really simple KPIs. So uh, key performance indicators that are connected to that. So. Yep. In, in this game, we scored a goal from this situation that we worked on. Or in this game, we created four opportunities from these things that we worked on, right? And I think that helps us concentrate the players a little bit more on when we talk about the process. And if that goes well, then, yeah, maybe that, that impacts the, the result and then we'll all leave happy. If it doesn't go well in terms of the result, then we knock down a lot of those in green. And then, you know, why didn't we get the result, right? So I think that helps us get the players and the individual uh, players of the group a little bit more focused on what we want to do and some of the things I've noticed in the last two games is we haven't been scoring a lot of goals right now of course you could say it's only two games yes. and it's not 99 you're not scoring as many goals as 99 <laughs> right. but one of the things I talk to players about is we're getting a lot of opportunities in these two games to get into the final third to create opportunities um, but we're not turning those into goals and even though it's early in the season, I feel like we have the players to do it. Of course, our philosophy is made for that, right? And we're ultra aggressive in how, how we attack. So one of the things that we've talked about yesterday a little bit in our video meeting that led into the training session is we, we need to have a few more goals leading to this weekend. So I think the immediate pressure for them this weekend is maybe, maybe you have to be a little more brave. Maybe we have to take more risk. Yeah. But we need to have... Uh, five goals in these four games. Um, uh, sorry, six goals in these four games, right? And they're small and they're short games. The games are short. So it is a little bit of added pressure. And then in terms of the season, another thing that we talked about is 
we want to be the higher scoring team in our in our bracket in our league, which is tough. We have a lot of good teams in our bracket, right? So I think in terms of pressure, that's what we've added. The way I'm gonna play with it is I'm going to work with them on understanding that the pressure of scoring more goals is only for you to go into the game and be more courageous to go to goal, right? And take more risk yep. and, and believe more in yourself to do it. Because at the end of the day, if you go forward, if you attack with certain numbers, let's say you attack with eight yeah. and we get scored in a counterattack, then we'll work on how do we defend the counterattack better. But I will never, quote unquote, be tough on you because you went forward and you right. weren't responsible in defending the counterattack. Uh, because you could easily say to me, well, coach, you said we need to be the highest scoring team. In the <laughs> yeah. So I got to go. I got to be attack minded. And so that's the way I'm going to work with that to make sure that it's a positive. Um, but yeah, well, it was one of the things that we're going to we're going to be asking the players for this this fall is we want to be the highest scoring team in the league. And I think right now it created that when we started the season two games and we were not scoring as many goals. Right. We have one goal in two games. And we have really good players and we attack with a ton of players. So we, we just, we just need to be, be, be better from that. And we're going to take an opportunity to add that as, as one of our goals for, for the season. No, that's great. I mean, ultimately, you know, more scoring opportunities leads to more shots, more shots yeah. lead to more goals, right? You know, that's exactly. not that many teams that only take two shots and score two goals every game. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So before you leave, I think uh, I think you know I was talking with Dwayne earlier. Dwayne coaches our O nine boys team at Delaware Reunion. He said uh, he'll take you anytime, anywhere, no matter what you want. He said you bring your your best eleven. He'll bring his best eleven. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> anytime, any place. Let's go. Let's go. Nah, it should be fun. Let's get a game going. I would love that. <laughs> uh, listen, we'll come no, to your no, place. Listen, I I love way, I love our, our place. Is, is very nice. Sometimes. I'm sitting in our place and I look around and I go, wow, I can't believe we're here. So uh, I would love to have you guys in our place. I mean, I think I'm, I might just be a coaching staff thing. It might not necessarily be. Uh, we Listen, I, I love our Delaware Union teams, uh, <laughs> but in no disrespect to Dwayne's team. But uh, I think I think if you I think if we showed up with our 09 boys, uh, it might <laughs> you might get the goals you're trying to get. <laughs> I'm going to get my hey, I'm an attacking minded team, too. I might get one or two. There you go. There you go. We might we might meet a quarter. No, I mean, look, um, I, I would love to. I would love to to have a game. That that would be great. No, but we definitely we need to plan a trip. Listen, we Dwayne and I are big fans of uh, planning trips. We need to actually start. We need to actually start like going places. So I think uh, I think Dwayne and I are going to try to make a trip this year. And I think uh, the Red Bulls uh, training training facility is going to be going to be one. We'll we'll guys, hit you up. Do I would love for you guys to come out and then also we'll go to a game. I know. Uh, as a Philly fan, it might be tough, but oh no, I've been game. to I've been to Red Bulls NYCFC game at the Red Bull Stadium. That that so, that place is no joke, man. Let's go. Oh, it's big time. It's big time. So yeah, I would love for you guys. Let's chat about that. But yeah, love for you yeah. guys to come to one of the games. Uh, All right, on me for sure. Guti, for sure. Thanks so much for coming on. Always, always a pleasure. Um, you know, we've talked about it before, but I think you're you're one of those people that that are doing good for the good for the game and also good for the for the coaches. Uh, um you're you're somebody that that i want to make sure that we keep on the podcast for a long time because anytime you come on i learn something new and it's always a fun time yeah i appreciate that man thanks for the kind words and i no, i appreciate you guys having me on i mean when when we spoke about you coming in i i love it i mean i, I it, ma- it makes me better as a coach because 
Another part is I'm saying some of these things. So I got to hold myself accountable to them as well. There you go. And then the conversations and the questions are great, you know. So, yeah, uh, please have me on. Please have me on. I love it. <laughs> anytime, man. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, guys. Have a great day. All right. Uh, so before we get into breaking news and transfer talks and all these other things, doing, let's talk about what happened yesterday. No, it wasn't the rain at Middletown Village. <laughs> You're talking about the Champions League draw. Absolutely talking about the Champions League draw. Because, man, is it like... Man, I, did the... I just did really... The TV, did the TV people not set this one up? I just like like what so I just it's so interesting to me and obviously it's supposed to be a random drawing and uh, and there's there's certain speculations so teams from the same country cannot be in the same group um and you have the head of the groups and and this and that and all and all that other good stuff but I mean the the first the first just right away off Man- Manchester City PSG Leipzig and Bruges don't sleep on Bruges. I mean, they're the sleeper, but or they're the small guy, but they're going to get a result against somebody. Leipzig with Jesse Marsh. Going to get a result against somebody. Yeah, I mean that's no, that's not an easy picnic. Um, group B to, though. To group B, I think is the group of death, right? Like that's it, the, uh, that is every 100%. team in there has played in the Champions League final. Yeah, so you got Atletico Madrid, Liverpool. FC Porto, who I think is obviously maybe the weaker on paper, but can give you a run for it, and Milan. I mean, again, everybody in that group. I don't think there's another group where everybody's played in a Champions League final. Yeah. Then you got then you got group uh, that was Group B. Group C. You got uh, Sporting from from Portugal, Borussia Dortmund. Ajax and Besiktas, Besiktas, yeah, um, from Turkey. So that that's maybe the the one where you feel like Dortmund and, and Ajax could easily, you know, kind of walk away with it. But at the same time, Ajax could struggle. Yeah, uh, you know, you could see a Besiktas or a Sporting in there. Everybody, I mean, they've uh, they, everybody's bought all their players. Yeah, um, this is the one that's an interesting one to me. Group D, because only because of how how. Inter and Real Madrid did last year. So I think it's going to be an interesting. So you got Inter, Milan, Real Madrid, Shakhtar. They did well last year. Shakhtar, yeah. And then uh, FC Sheriff, Tiraspol. They just go by Sheriff. I don't know. Where are they from? Go by Sheriff. Uh, from uh, uh, either that or Macedonia. Moldova, Moldova. Yeah, you're right. Moldova. 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 Yeah. So uh, that'll be an interesting one. <clears throat> then you got Group E, Bayern, Barcelona, Benfica, and Dynamo Kiev. That'll be an interesting one. Um, going to Ukraine is never easy for anybody. I don't think. Yeah. yeah. That's the tough part about these draws is that there's a you way gotta, you, where you Where you got to go? You got to go to Moldova. You know, it's a small airport. You probably have to, like, you don't have a jet way. You got to walk on the tarmac. It's cold. <laughs> got to wear. You got to wear your parka. <laughs> got to go to Ukraine. Got to go to Ukraine, man. Um, Benfica, I think you know. Benfica went through the qualifier, beat out Monaco, I believe, in the qualifier. 
So that's a that's an interesting one. Um, Group F, I think, is uh, again one of those like weird could could potentially you could see a sleeper in there. But yeah, Villarreal, United, Atlanta, and uh, Young Boys. Um, group G, I think, is by far the weakest on paper, the weakest group uh, of like who could actually make it make a long run. That's at- the American group down there. <laughs> yeah, but not only that, you end up with this is the kind of group that you know, one of these teams will make it into the quarterfinals somehow. Um, So you got Lille, who's the reigning League One Uber Eats champion. (laughs) Uh, You got Sevilla, Salzburg with uh, our boy, our, you know, our podcast favorite, Brandon Aronson and Nicolas Nicolas Capaldo and Wolfsburg. So it's funny you say one of these teams goes to the quarterfinal. I'm putting my money on Salzburg. I put my money on Brendan Aronson just scoring goals because that's just what he's been doing, putting yeah. the team on his back, scoring these late goals. Again, Salzburg going through the qualifier. Brendan Aronson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then this is this is gonna be the this is gonna be the one that I think is gonna be again, could be a could very similar to to group D, um, you know, with Real Madrid and Inter. This is another one that I think could pose a threat. Uh, you got you know Chelsea as the reigning champions, um, Juve, Zenit, and Malmo from Sweden. Malmo making an appearance in Champions League this year. That's your that's your group to bring your Parka. That's the Malmo. That's the Parka group. That's the because man, you gotta go to Russia. It's gonna be cold. <laughs> you gotta go to Malmo. It's gonna be cold. <laughs> Italy gets cold. England, man, that's just a cold group. English but, is gonna be gray. You already know it's gonna. There's no sun. Yeah. Um, so that'll be an interesting group, only because again, you know, Juve, Juve, if Ronaldo leaves. Um, you know, you could see there's there's another one. There, this is your other uh, American group to a certain extent. You got a little Weston McKinney, Christian Pulisic matchup going on. There you go. I think we have uh, twelve Americans in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, Lil's gonna have Tim Weah. You know, Salzburg so, with uh, Brendan Aronson. Brendan Aronson. Barcelona uh, with Dest. Yep. Uh, Bayern Munich with Chris Richards, I'm guessing. Yeah, if he plays. Yeah. On the team. Yeah. So there's there's some players there. So that'll be an interesting group. Um, and then, so let's, let's talk really quick about transfers before we get into the men's national team roster for the World Cup qualifiers. Um, so potentially you uh, Ronaldo leaving Juve, going to England. Then you got potentially uh, Mbappe leaving. I don't know if that's even potentially. I think that might be signed, sealed, and delivered. 170 million euros to go to Real Madrid. The crazy part is it just got messy and he's leaving. <laughs> Not even going to play a game with Messi. No. Um, so you know who I feel bad for the most? I feel bad for uh, Hazard and and uh, Gareth Bale. Why you feel bad for Gareth Bale? Because I feel like he just you know he's he's got a goal in him already this week this year you know you know not a big Real Madrid fan but you know what do they I, call him the golfer? I I I like I I I don't know why but I've always I've always liked Gareth Bale. I don't like how he stole all that money from Real Madrid. I I like Gareth Bale. He basically oh, yeah. put on a ski mask, took a gun, and said, "Sign me!" <laughs> oh my god! And just, it just—you uh, stole a lot of money from him. 
All right, so let's talk. Let's talk U.S. Oh, another transfer might be happening because City didn't get their man. Who are they picking up? Erling Holland, rumored. Ooh, rumored. Interesting. To be leaving Dortmund. Hmm. Also <laughs> rumored to go to PSG. Okay. So. If let's Mbappe go. leaves, let's go. Got money. Money flips and get all on. And yeah, that's fun. So yeah. Stay uh stay up to date on your local transfer news because it's <laughs> okay. like the NBA, it's like almost like the NBA trade deadline. Yeah, just everything happens. Everything's happening on the hour by the hour. Yeah. All right. So the US men's national team uh is has their World Cup qualifiers. We kick off World Cup qualifiers, El Salvador on September 2nd. Um, and then Canada, um, the week after or a couple of days after September 8th. Yeah. They have three of them. They have, uh, and then Honduras. Yeah. Cause they have to go away for two of them and then play in Nashville for. Yeah. So the roster, um, big standouts, I think, I mean, no, no real, you know, no real surprises in the, in the goalkeeper, um, the goalkeeper department, you got Matt Turner. Uh, from Revolution, Horvath, and Zach Steffen. Um, you know, defenders, again, I don't think any any big, no big. Uh, I mean, hey, that boy from Syracuse played his way into that, that uh, lineup. That, that is true. Yeah, that is true. Uh, Mark McKenzie's back on. Midfielders, Kellen Acosta making it in for the World Cup qualifiers. Five midfielders. That's it. Um, Sebastian Legend's in there. That's fine. He can cover seven positions at once. It's all good. Um, but that's all you need. I mean, you got Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams. What do you? I mean, and ultimately Brendan Aronson listed as a forward, which we all know can play as a midfielder. He scored goals. But you know who forward. is back? You know who is back in the national team? Cap Conrad. Hashtag Cap Conrad. Back out of nowhere, on- man. Well, I mean, he's, he he got the, he got the loan out to uh, to Marseille, and now he's he's been killing it. Two starts, two games, two games, two starts. Got an assist in him already. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, really? I think some. Yeah, so I think that's where this is where you know you got Josh Sargent who scored his first goal for Norwich last week. Tim Weah, who's 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 playing a lot of Lille. This could be good. You got three yeah, games. I think- Got three games in here. So you got to, you know, ultimately Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney better get ready for, for 270 minutes of fun. You ain't coming off the field. You ain't coming off the field. Don't, don't ask, ask for no sub. Don't, don't put your fingers together and start making them in a circle. Don't ask for a sub. Not going to happen. Now, I think one player that I surprised isn't on this list is Gianluca Buzio. He had a good gold cup. But I think, maybe you know. Maybe he just recently transferred. Maybe he hasn't gotten to play yet. You know, maybe that's part of it. Yeah. In fact, you only take five midfielders, so it's saying something. Playing on a 4-2-4. Yeah. I think that's what we're – I think we might end up playing on a 4-2-4. Might. Um, so, yeah, it's ultimately a good, good, good World Cup roster, I think, um, or World Cup qualifier roster. Player of the match, who do you have, Dwayne? Player of the match. Uh, my player of the match is going to go to the 9 boys. Uh, we played our first scrimmage as a group um, on Thursday, Friday, Wednesday. Um, and we played well for having three training sessions, uh, together, not really a ton of time to work on tactical and positioning and stuff like that. So, 
you know, we just went into the match, just looking to get, you know, just some game experience on the field, and we adapted very well. Um, that's the one time that I've gone off the field, we haven't got a result, and that might have been the happiest I've ever been because I was like, future's bright. If that's how we look after three practices, imagine what we looked at, look like after like two months worth of practices. So yeah. future's bright for that group. Um, excited to see them continue to develop. Good. Awesome. Um, my player of the match, uh, somewhat of a sarcastic player of the match, unfortunately. Uh, my player of the match goes out to the English FA, La Liga, and Syria for not allowing the Argentinian or the South American players to join the World Cup rosters. Uh, so thanks for that. Uh, that'll make a fun World Cup qualifier in South America uh, with no European players allowed. <laughs> COVID? COVID restrictions not allowing players to travel to South America. Um, now, granted, when they came, they come in in pri- private flights because uh, usually they all meet up somewhere and get on Messi's plane and drive and fly <laughs> down. Um, <laughs> they all come in. They all come in a private flight. They go straight to the training grounds, which in Argentina are literally ten minutes from the airport. You drive past the the Argentinian. FA training grounds to get to the airport. Um, you go to Venezuela and then you come back and then you play against Bolivia and then you got to go to Brazil. So you never leave the bubble. You're always in your thing. Like Argentina did Copa America for two months straight in a bubble training and in two months in a bubble, zero COVID like, but no, it's we're not going to send them, which is fine. You can do whatever you want. But I would say this: call Dana White, see if you can use Flight Island, get a stadium <laughs> built there. <laughs> and then and then you say, hey, "Look, we don't even have to go to we don't even have to go to South America. We got our own little island, and only the players and the staff are allowed here." Yeah. Um. So yeah. So thanks to La Liga, the you know Premier League and uh, Syria for for making the 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 Conviball World Cup qualifiers a great experience for everybody. It's basically Boca versus River Plate. <laughs> it's it's going to be. <laughs> it's basically, well, not really. Boca's not that good this year. So we got a lot of young players. So let's get him from somewhere else. Um, plus, the Ar- oh, on top of all of this, the Argentinian tournament doesn't stop either during World Cup qualifiers this year. So we just roll through. <laughs> We're playing with like 14-year-old kids. <laughs> Gucci's going to be downplayed. You're going to have to call Gucci and be like, hey, isn't that kid Argentinian on your team? Can we borrow <laughs> yeah. him? Yeah, let me let me borrow him. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, on this day in soccer history, because we just were talking about Boca Juniors. So, Boca, Argentina has the deemed five big clubs in Argentina. Uh, Boca Juniors, obviously, being at the top of that list. Uh, River Plate uh, being at the bottom of that list. Uh, San Lorenzo. Uh, <laughs> um, Racing Club, um, and um, why am I blanking? I'm blanking on one of them. Independiente. That's there's your five clubs. So Argentina. Look at me, like Argentina or Boca Juniors in 2006 um, ended up with their biggest goal differential against uh, one of the big five or the other four. Um, so beat San Lorenzo de Almagro seven to one. In a, in a game. I remember that game vividly watching that game, vividly watching it. Um, had just graduated high school. Um, so 
Um, you know what's really cool out of that entire thing is that in those in that team, um uh Palacio scores who played on the Argentina national team in the 2014 World Cup. It is still playing soccer at like 39 years old playing in Italy. Uh, Palermo, who is the historic all-time leading school scorer for Boca Juniors, uh, scored three times. And then uh, Cardoza and Franzoya scored, which I think both of those players still play. So out of the, out of the you know, four people that scored goals, three of them are still playing. Yeah. And you graduated high school, what, like 20 years ago? <laughs> Not 20 years ago. We just said it was 2006. It was 15 years ago. It wasn't that far. You know, it wasn't that uh, Okay. They had um, color TVs back then? We had color TVs back then. Uh, so, yeah, so seven, seven to one. Um, so that was on this day in soccer history. Fair play of the week. Uh, my fair play of the week goes out to DYSA, to Laura, Terry, and Brent uh, for being awesome and super helpful this past week. Um, they've done some amazing stuff. Um, they also put out a newsletter. We got a shout out in the newsletter. Yeah, the DYSA Chronicles. I saw that. Yeah, DYSA Chronicles. Uh, we got a shout out on that pot on that. So uh, if you're just joining us for the first time because you listened to the or you read the DYSA Chronicles, thanks for coming. Make sure you subscribe and like the podcast wherever you're listening. Uh, but yeah, so my my fair play of the week goes out to DYSA and their staff there. My fair play of the week goes out to Gerard PK. <laughs> I think I know why. Yeah, his uh, he, his uh. TV holding company, something like that, bought yeah. the rights to League Un Uber Eats <laughs> in Spain. So Messi leaves Barcelona. PK is making money off of Messi leaving Barcelona because now his company now televises League Un Uber Eats. So anybody that wants to watch Messi in Spain is basically paying PK. So he took a pay cut, but he's really making more money now. Oh, yeah. Messi in Espanol from France. <laughs> Yeah, you think he really took a pay cut? No, nah, that was yeah. He's smart, man. PK, PK, and Shakira, power couple. Power couple, yeah. That's why I took a pay cut. <laughs> um, all right. You can afford to take a pay cut with Shakira. That's right. All right. Thanks for joining us this week, and remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. <laughs>